You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. And after a Pesach break, I'm here with Harav Nosa Notaglik of Ashkelon, here Eretz Yisrael. And we are in the midst of Sefirah Salimel. Um, it's actually Rishchidosh here. Um, and I think that most people are probably thinking about uh, the Hanhogas Avelis, which for many people kick in, I believe, tomorrow, if you hold the second days, and others have been, been knowing them up until now. And the Hanhogas of Avelis, which of course not only limit going to weddings, and for most people uh, it has to do with uh, getting involved in various types of simchot or dancing and music and listening to live music or even recorded music, it's tied in to the deaths of the students of Rabbi Akiva. And um, I, I know that uh, there is a, uh, a lot of, especially where you're from, Rabbi Nelson, um, there's a lot of trying to dance around the Hanhogas of Avelus in a period in, in Eretz Yisrael, where, of course, we're going to have uh, Yom Atzmaut, uh this Thursday, I believe, right? I think Yom Atzmaut mm-hmm. is, is this Thursday, and it's a time of great celebration. And I, I think modern-day Israel, in, in many ways, has has caused the rest of us to confront what, what are we really being misable about? Uh, the fact that these momentous occasions occurred in, in, in recent history that the Rabbanut and others have felt are worth celebrating. And yet there's this pushback. What about Sphira? What about Hanhogas Sphira? What about how could you be shaving uh, and, 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 and having live music? It's the time of Sphira. And it really causes, I think, uh, the modern Jew to think about what is the significance really? Why was it that this was a period of mourning? There is a, uh, everyone knows, of course, the, the, the statement of the Sefer Achinuch that the whole idea of Sefirah Saomer was counting uh, in great anticipation towards Shruas. I mean, you don't have to be the Sefer Achinuch to say that. Um, obviously, it sounds from the Seder HaParshios that this is a Sefirah towards from Pesach to Shavuos, but the Sefer Chinuch makes it clear that it's almost what Pesach was all about. The sphere is just a way to uh, excitedly get to that point of Matan Torah. So it really should be a period, seemingly, of great simcha. It should be a period where we're getting ready, where we're noticing within us the changes. Yeah, we have what to work on, but we realize that if, if, we, if Shavuos itself, if Aseret is really the uh, celebration of Matan Torah, the zivug between Knesset Yisroel and 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 the and, and Kudshabricho. If that's what Shavuos is, and we know, I'm sure you'll inform us uh, in the Zoharic tradition. There's there's a lot of discussion about how how amazing that night of Shavuos is, and that night of communion uh, with God in the highest ecstatic way it would seem that this period should be a period of anticipation and great simcha. And yet the cloud of, of death is really descending, has descended and continues to be, uh, to, to play out based on the ideas that 24,000 uh, Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva died during this period. Um, uh, I know you have some thoughts about that, but, uh, based on your own suggestion, maybe it's just worthwhile to review uh, that uh, Talmudic uh, statement, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it. So it, it's a statement. Yes, we should. Yeah, it's a statement. The Gemara in Yevamos on Daf Samach Beis Amibeis. People will say, "Why is it in Yevamos about the students of Rabbi Akiva?" This is really a question that you know you, you don't really ask because the the, the Gemara has its own ways of getting. Uh, uh, what seems to be tangential information into into the Masechta. And, you know, uh, let's take a look. Um, the Gemara says that, the Gemara is really talking about Pruravu. Because the Gemara Nivamas there is talking about um, the mitzvah Pruravu of having children. Nivamas, of course, is connected to the whole idea of procreation. Um, the Gemara says that um, Rabbi Yeshua, uh, 
the Tanya Bishua Omer. Nosa Odom Isha Bialdusai. Isa Isha Biziknusa. Okay. You had a wife when you were young. Get married again when you're old. Have a wife when you're old. Yes. And, and, by, and by the way, apparently a substantially younger woman because, yes. you know, because you want to have children. I mean, that's the, there's Priya Viravia when you're young and you're Priya Viravia when you're, when you're old, which actually contradicts another, another thing that Chazal taught about having age-appropriate uh, Shiduchim, you know. Right, which is, I think, um, which is in Yavamas itself, exactly. The Gemara in Yavamas actually speaks about um, um, advising in certain cases not to go through with the, the, with the Yibum when we realized a tremendous age gap. Yeah, well, there's, well, there's an age gap. So that's, that's a bit of a stira, you know. Yes, it is. But anyway. How you, yes, and I have to put in a plug for my um, other podcast, with, uh, which is called Standing in Two Worlds, where Dr. Sam Juni, a psychologist extraordinaire, speaks about the, the psychological pitfalls of having these May-December marriages available and streaming right now. So the Gemara continues, so and this is your point. Uh, you had children when you were young, have children when you're old. Don't stay your hand. In other words, you might have struck out with those first group of kids. Now it's time to try again. That's also good. Now, based on that, the Gemara connects having children, having a wife and child, to Rabbi Kiva. And Rabbi Kiva said, um, he says, learning Torah. You learn Torah when you're young, you'll know Torah b'ziknusa. Of course, Rabbi Kiva started late. I don't know if he ever learned Torah when he was young at all, but he felt, keep on learning, guy. Uh, even though the Gemara says, of course, the last 40 years of his life, he was mostly a teacher. But every teacher, of course, learns. And of course, we know from the Gemara that having a child uh, and having a student are very, very similar. The Gemara equates them by motion. Of course, Kabbalistically, there's a lot of similarity between. And you have to clean up messes of your students as you would have to clean up the messes of your children. You know? Something that aspiring Rosh Yeshiva should take into account. You know? well, and, Young and, people create messes. Well, and, and I think you would say, you know, quite seriously, um, you know, when we talk about the, 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 the relationship that we're supposed to have to our teachers, and we realize that a lot of it is based on not just the fact that they're old and revered and they're nice and they smile at us, but they give us from their das. They give us from that place that the tipos <laughs> emanate from. So in that way, a, 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 a real Rebbe in some ways is using a lot of that same um, spiritual energy that goes into producing a child. Um, and mm-hmm. that's and, and obviously that the Gemara is clear. It's not like just a theme that seems similar. It's actually one and the same. I think you'd agree that this is why the Gemara brings in Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva is this example uh, of, of, of fathering children, so to speak, and then fathering a second uh, part, second children. And the Gemara right. says, right. and then the Gemara says on that point, there were 12,000 pairs. Of course, much is made of this. Uh, of this idea of the pairing. It doesn't say there were 24,000, but there were 12,000 chavrusas. Migevet ad antiparas. I'm sure you know where that is. Someplace up in the north, I guess, or in the middle section of the country. I know I'll tell you. I'll tell you pretty exactly. Yeah, where is it? But yeah. let's leave. Let's, let's, we'll bring okay. that in at the end. Okay? Right. What's, like, what's the importance right. of mentioning that? Vakulan mesu beperek echod. The Gemara says they all died in a certain time. Now, again, there's a lot of discussion here. Was it in one year that it happened, or was it over a series of years the deaths piled up? It's not clear from the Talmud, but for many people, they'd like to think of it in the worst possible scenario that there was one terrible year when it occurred, and that's when all 24,000 met their maker. And here, this next statement, I think, has probably been quoted and I think misinterpreted. And I want to get your take on it. 
the, and, and this seems to be the rationale behind their death of why they died. And the world was desolate. And Rabbi Kiva then found those who later became, of course, our great teachers. And this was in the southern part of the country. I guess Gebes Antiparis was not. This was going down to the south. And then he was able to teach them. And this, of course, is completes the parallel. These are Rabbi Kiva's older children. Oh, in other right. words, his children of his old age. And they are the stars. At least some of them are the most bright stars in the constellation that is Shas of the, the Tanoim yeah, of Shas. They're the, they're the foundation of Shas. Yes, Rav Meir mm-hmm. and Rav Yehuda, uh, Rav Yossi. I would say Rav Lezer uh, Ben Shemua doesn't get as much uh, as, you don't see much of him in Shas as much as you see of the others. But the other three, and I would say Rav Yossi uh, is definitely in the running for a Best Supporting Actor nod uh, when you have, but you have Rav Meir, Rav Yuda, and Rav Shimon are all you know, they're Clark Gable, Errol Flynn, and Spencer Tracy. I mean, they are they are three, they're the three stars of of the Mishnayas and throughout uh, Chazal. Um, and um, I would say Rabbi Yossi uh, is definitely the, um, makes an impression. He's Walter Brennan or whatever it is. Mm. Whenever he shows up, he makes it a very important impression, especially his children become very important as well. Rabbi Yossi's children, even more, you know, Rabbi Shimon's child, of course, as well. But Rabbi Yossi is definitely a big name. The Haim Haim, I like this Haim Haim. Himidu Torah Oso They were the ones that put Torah up at that time. And then the Brysa tells us, what was that Peric? So we have a Brysa on top of a Brysa. Here's a second Brysa, a vestigial Brysa, right. explaining the first one. Kula mesu mi Pesach ba'ad atzeres. So they all died, and this is, of course, where we get our Avelis from Pesach. Omar. Mi Pesach ba'ad atzeres. Psik. Omar of Chama bar'aba, v'tem rebchia bar'aben. And now we have an, a a sort of uh, a, a memra, right? A memra, another tradition explaining this brisa. Kula mesu misura. They all died a terrible death, uh, an ugly death, badly and uh, badly and evil. Again, we'll we'll see. And again, we'll talk about what this misura is. Maihi, what is a misura? Okay, Omar of Nachman, Askara. and of course, some people. You look in Jastro, and you look in others to try to figure out what this is. Some people say it's a type of diphtheria. It's a type of, uh, to echo George Floyd and other martyrs um, in that sense. I can't breathe. Yeah. I can't breathe. <laughs> Oscar. I understand why you're such good friends now with Rabbi Bechhofer. <laughs> um, Oscar, Oscar, my friend. Oscar is, 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 is this inability to breathe. You're choking. You can't breathe. And it's considered, the Gemara calls it a, a terrible or, or evil or ugly death. Okay, so that is this right. piece of Talmud, which that's has, it. That little, those spots have, have affected uh, historically uh, Ashken, uh, the whole gamut, Ashkenazim, Sephardim. But most people know, Rav Nelson, that, that these Minhagim are not mentioned. Despite this piece of Talmud here, there's no piece of Gemara anywhere in Shas, and I don't even think it's in the Sefer Seferim. It doesn't show up until the Tkufas are shown him this idea of the Hanhogas of Avelis uh, of this period, and, right. and and many have said it's a it's a it's a foreign graft that it really was a, a byproduct of Ashkenazi persecution that occurred in the Ashkenazi world. Um, that there was, of course, the the, the Crusades, Crusades. And, and other terrible events. And with the imagination of the rabbis, instead of saying we are going to uh, mourn in all our communities because of the deaths during the Crusades, it makes more sense perhaps to connect this to something that's in this canon-like text about the students of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is such a beloved figure, such an important figure. And some have said that this was really a, uh, a canard. It was something that was foisted upon us. And 
if we really would like the same way there's a movement to eliminate kidneys and saying that kidneys was also something that was that has inserted itself and, and has ruined so many Pesach holidays, maybe Rabbanim should have the courage to um, roll up their sleeves and say, wait, we love Rabbi Akiva, we study him, we don't even know who these Talmidim who died were necessarily, but let's put an end to these Menhage Avelis, the scraggly beards, the no weddings, and let us look at it again, as the Sefer Chenach says, as a way to to embrace this period as a uh, as a leading up to the magnificent holiday of Shavuot. Okay, so that's okay. that. So what do you what, what do you a number response of comments? Okay, so um, comment comment number one is you probably ought to check out um, Rav Bar Chaim from Yimachon uh, Shiloh, who is. Yes, Nelson, you were saying. Yes, Rev. Nelson. Yeah, so they have this um, place over here. It's called Mechon Shiloh, and there's a uh, leader of Mechon Shiloh, which is, I believe his name is uh, Rav David Bar Chaim, although he's actually um, either South African or maybe English. And uh, so he's a big believer in in uh, throwing out gezerat uh, kitniot and and nullifying all sorts of um, all sorts of uh, um, ethnic uh, type minhagim um, and and using the Rambam as the as the posek for Eretz Yisrael and all sorts of all sorts of stuff like that. So I've got to have to check out and see what he says about uh, about checking the uh, avelus minhagim of sphere, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he'd probably, he'd, I have to tell you that two people that I respect, I mean, one perhaps more than the other, but Rav Nochem Eliezer Rabinovich and Rav Gorin, they both uh, were hoping that uh, eventually the Ashkenaz and Sfard Neschos um, would be jettisoned and they would be in, in, in favor of one universal Nusach for all Jews yeah. coming from Eretz, coming into Eretz Israel, they both felt that that would eventually happen. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think I think the chance of that is 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 quite unlikely. I mean, yeah. you know, for for one thing, the, the fundamental thing that Sephardim love is to say lots and lots and lots of words, and Ashkenazim have a, a definite fondness for saying fewer words, and uh, Chassidim are probably somewhere on the Sephardi side on that point, but. You know anything that anything that a Sephardi says in twenty words, an Ashkenazi Nusach will say in like five. Okay, and that's you know, and that's a that's a um, that's a barrier that is very difficult to overcome when you when you in a mixed group. You know, it's like who wants to who wants you know which Ashkenazi really wants to sit around and listen to everybody say Shira Shirim out loud every Arab Shabbos, you know, um, etc. So, but. Um, just, just to get back on topic, what I've what I've heard from from some of my rebbies in the in the Kabbalah world is that the death of the Talmudei Rabbi Akiva, however we explain that, and that's one of the things that I'd like to touch on. Um, however, we explain the death of the students of Rabbi Akiva. The that event is a symptom of the time, and the time would be a downtime anyway. The the idea of not getting married during during um, during Sphiris Eimer or or having uh, or not growing your hair or excuse me not cutting your hair you know letting your hair grow out is related to something of the essence of the time and it would be it would be in place uh, without the two students of Rabbi Akiva maybe there wouldn't be a very good historical reason for for having it but it would be something that certainly Yechides Gula would have done you know. And um, so it seems, you know, it's indicative of the of the period of time. It's a it's a transitional time, and it's not a pleasant time. It's a time for purification. It's a time of of uh, of um, of yisurim of of um, I don't know whatever the word. However you however you translate yisurim. Uh, in other words, out of my head right now. Deprivations, flagellation, um, yeah. a period of renouncement. Yeah, of well, pleasure. deprivation certainly. So it's almost yeah, and and you and 
Okay, I mean, you have to you have to explain why because you know Pesach is happy and Shavuos is happy, and why do you have this this time of renunciation or or uh, or or how what was you used an excellent word, de- oh deprivation, you know you have that period of time in the middle. Now, to some extent, the explanation that I was told, and I, I think it's I think it's true, is that you know you really have to imagine yourself living in Eretz Yisrael in a subsistence economy. In an agricultural subsistence economy, you know, uh, 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And, you know, the time of Aspheris Oimer al-Pipshat marks the, the time lag between the ripening of the barley and the ripening of the wheat. Okay, so, so the wheat ripens later than barley does, as you, as you know from, from your, from your Sefer Shemais, right? That the, uh, the the barley was taken out by the by the barad, but the wheat was not because it was still soft and green. Okay, so the way the way that it worked is if you're in a in a subsistence society, okay, you might be running a little bit scarce on food by the time you get to by the time you get to Pesach. Okay, and it's presumably you filled your you know you, you filled your granaries with all sorts of good things, but there's certainly times when when uh, when maybe a harvest wasn't all that great, or you or you had you know you had infestations and stuff. Um, so you really needed to rely on the new harvest in order to in order to get your in order to get your food, and that puts you in a position where you were eating a lot of barley. Okay, now barley is not machal behema for nothing. Okay, it's really very, very hard on your system. So I'm told. Yes, okay, well, even like, yeah. as, as, as it's as good in chill well, this, well, you know. And as Yule Gibbons remembered, you know, in uh, grape nuts, <laughs> 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 it's basically barley, little barley corns, and uh, that you, you remember Yule. <laughs> oh, Gibbons! Yeah. Oh, we give away our age, by the way. You know, we 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 give it away. Yeah, it's right there for everybody to well, hear. Uh, you, well, I'm sure those commercials are. <laughs> you remember grape nuts? Yes, grape nuts. Well, obviously, and. Uh, the next thing you know, you can be eating, you know, wood and cardboard. But yeah, it's that barley definitely has that uh, lose a filling with every mouthful, you know. Yes, yes. But uh, so, so barley presumably is hard on is hard on your system, and 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 you know, and it also people work very very hard when they harvest, you know. So it's a it's a combination of hard work, indigestion, probably not sleeping well at night, and it's a time where people really are not so much in the mood for getting married and having, having celebrations and other, there's a, there's a sense of suffering as you get through the barley period. And then finally, you, you know, you're going to have some wheat, you can make some bread and, and, and eat like a normal human being instead of like a, a, a behemoth. Okay. And, and the, the fact that the carbon oimer comes from, comes from barley, right. So that obviously connects to Machal Behema, and that means that there's some bodies of interpretation that say that carbon Eimer is actually a kind of a kind of Minchas Kanos, you know, um, like like the so same kind of thing that you'd find by a Saito. Yeah, it's the it's the two it's the two it's the two offerings that uh, that are in barley in the base of Migdash. I don't I don't think there's a I don't think there's another one. Okay, so there's so there's some element of of drash over there um and and um so so you can't help right excuse me for just jumping in there but you can't help then uh connect especially you know we talked about the ibor the leda we talked about Mm -hmm. about what yitzhiyas mitzrayim is and we can't help but know god and i think the predominant interpretation there is is that we stayed there um, uh, a, a shorter amount of time than was originally understood to be the decree because there was a compression of time based on the Inui or other factors but it, it, there's no such thing as a free ride the fact that we got out early meant we really weren't a hundred percent spiritually ready and, and and of course many people who have never even seen anything like a, 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 a safer zoar or any sort of kabbalistic writings knows knows the term the 49th gate of tuma that they were entrenched right. in the memtes shari tuma which i'm not sure exactly you know if that's in standard chazal literature or not but everybody knows no. that so no it's it's 
It's in it's in it's in Zohar, but it's not. I don't know how explicit it, it is, but it does it does say that uh, as a as a Nida becomes pure to her husband by counting Shiva Nakiyim, okay. So so to Knesset Yisrael, aka the um, Spheris Malchus, is getting purified. And um, technically, a Zava, okay, in right? order in Techn- order to technically, yeah, a Zava. A Zava would need Midiarais to Shiva, Shiva Nikim. So she's not just a Nida, she's a, a Zava, right? right. Which is but, which, um, which means it isn't just your normal Tuma that you expunge regularly. There's something no. almost unnatural with the B'nai Yisrael. It's like there's right. there's something out there that needs expiation during this time and the estrangement the, the estrangement between the, the the husband and the wife so to speak Haviyachal, okay um would be therefore the the need for the carbon oimer you need to do something to have, to atone for this situation so the kala can you know can can be misyached with uh with Chosen. okay so there's there's a it's a so it's a it's a rough it, it's rough going at that point you know, and remember also, if you we talked a lot about in the in the kavonas of, of of Pesach that there's there there are three stages, and these are straight straight stages in the, both the revelation of Am Yisrael as who we are, and also the revelation of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's name. Okay, and the stages are Ibor, Yunika, and Mochin. And while we're in Egypt, we're like embryos, you know. And this goes for Hashem's name as much as it goes for, for, for Am Yisrael. And the way to liberate both the Shem Havaya from its, from its, uh, from its uh, hidden state and Am Yisrael from its Raim is to jam in minds and levels of consciousness that, that no embryo could ever possibly absorb. But this is what is necessary in order to get it, in order to get it born. So the moment it's born, everything disappears, then you have to go bring everything in little by little by spheres by spheres Eimer. but spheres Eimer is therefore still very much a, in a, a a matter of midat adin and it's not a it's not a happy process oh we're counting the days till matan torah aren't we have it's a it's a it's a miserable painful process and it's and there's some kind of sense of loss and and deprivation that goes that you know that goes into that I think that's reflected in most people who are listening, who have some sort of upgraded Sidur, they're going to see the list of the of the Sfirot, right? Yeah. During every day of the Omer. As, as our good mutual friend Menachem Yuni used to say, by the Chesidim, Mesuknu <laughs> when, when a chassid wanted to know from another what day it was, which sphere have we somehow, uh, you know, uh, you know, ruined? Yeah, where did you mess up this time? Where? Well, chassid So, but but I think that no matter who you are, you're looking at these. You're looking at your siddur, and you're looking at chesed shem chesed chesed shem You're looking at you're looking at um, uh, all these terminologies. Even the least Kabbalistically inclined person knows there's something going on here that has seeped yeah. into even standard sidurim, right? Which is which is interesting, right? How that well, uh, there's I mean, there's a lot of Kabbalah in standard in standard sidurim anyway, you know. The, yeah, but, and Kabbalah was Kabbalah was very fashionable at one at one point. You know, I think just just, just about every every sitter has the shame yichuds in it, and and uh, yeah. that's. Uh, you're, um, you're correct, I think but Spheris Omer seems I, to have uh, seems to have uh, whether it's the editors, the printers, the chassidim. What you're saying, Rav Nelson, is not surprising to anyone who's looking and, and trying to find the date of the Omer and, and seeing all these Spheros uh, illusions. That what's happening here is that we are, as you say, this painful process goes through. The derech of the shivasviros tikkun in every mida in a very, uh, a very substantial. And there's way. and there's and there's a sen- there's a sense of loss. You're actually losing something. There's actually something that is being you know that's 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 being depleted, and that's a, a somewhat of a different a different topic. But I'll just I'll just point out you know the the um the act of growing hair is kind of like some part of yourself that goes out. To the outside world and becomes dead matter, right? So the the growing of hair is actually 
not just it's not just a symbol of avelus. It's kind of an enactment of the premature death of something, right? And so that's the the idea of growing hair out is is in, kind of intrinsic to the to the time, and it's reflected by the by in two ways, which the Mukubalim reference. One of them is the connection between seora and sear, right? Sear hair, seora barley. And and maybe there's maybe there's some actual etymological uh, relationship there because barley probably has is either spiky or fuzzier uh, a plant than than wheat. Um, and then the other thing is the is the word omer, which is which is the name of the measure, but it, but in Aramaic it's it's amar is is uh, it's, it's, it's wool. is is wool is wool, you know. And and that and that references the the you know the famous pasuk in Daniel talking about you know atik yoimin. Uh, uh, you know the hair of his head is like bleached wool um, so and by, and by the way that also figures into the theme of Matan Taira also because by by the Yam HaKadosh Baruch who uh, reveals himself as a, as a as a young warrior who presumably has long black hair and a beard and so that's why he you know in Shir Shir means Tal Talim Shchereis Ka'erev you know Black black curls, and by the time they get to Mahmad Har Sinai, they're looking at somebody who is Kaviyochol, Derech Mashal, etc., etc., Zakemale Rachamim, who has who has white hair. So that's also some very powerful symbolism that's 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 going in there. And 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 essentially, what Spheris Oimer is is a time of Yenika, right? Um, and at least youth on some on some level, Masha Enkins, you know, Matan Torah is a time of, of oldness and and, uh, and it's, it's youth that is maturity. It's youth that is somehow spending its whole life like within seven weeks. Right? In other words, what you're saying is yeah. you have that, that wild youth of, of let's say the seventh day of Pesach reflected in God being this young virile uh, imagery, but through the seven weeks, it's almost like a lifespan. Is what you're saying occurs yeah i know the zohar and, i remember i remember the zohar in parsha sazaria uh which is this week's parsha coming up in sazaria mitzora deals a lot with the cyrus it deals a lot with the, the especially the woman again again we start this week's parsha with the idea of uh, of although nida is sort of like kime nidas titma, the whole idea of childbirth and 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 um there is this incredible moment of of demay tahara, right? Where wow, it's blood, but you're tahar, right? At least you know. But then, um, right? But before that, you have this. You have the six fourteen or six. You have the seven or fourteen days of tuma. And I remember the Zohar talking about the idea of sarot, the idea of 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 of, of what's going on there. And I think you know, you know that every probably people have heard that Syrot are din and, mm-hmm. and 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 they are din you're saying because it in a way it sheaths the head, right? In a way it's sort of like is a both of us are, don't have the hair that we had when we were friends back in Miami, but the idea of, of the hair is it's din because it's sheathing the skull and it's eventually gets brittle and dies. Is that the reason why uh, the hair is din? Well, because it's it, because it's coming out of them. It's coming out of your head. It's it's, it's a, it, it kind of an extension of your mind, reaching out to you know reaching out to the world. But it reaches out to the world in a in a in a matter which is, um, well, essentially essentially dead matter, you know. So now it does it doesn't always it doesn't always have precisely the same the same connotations. I mean, there's um, you know like beard hairs are unreservedly positive. Okay, and so you have to ask yourself, well, you know, what's the difference in head hairs and beard hairs? And that's that, you know, that that itself is also very long drasha. But you know, to some to some extent, the idea of spherus Eimer is the loss of certain neshamot. There's the certain souls that cannot be contained at this stage of development, and you kind of have to let them go and 
then they're going to come back and get reintegrated at at some at some time during the at some time during the process, so that everybody can be together for you know for for you know for Kabbalah Satire. So you have you know you have your first phase of of, uh, of Rabbi Akiva's twenty four thousand students, you know, and they get wiped out, but they seem to come somehow. They seem to come back into into uh, the five students that uh, the Rabbi Akiva does have in the end. So you're saying that the twenty four thousand sort of are parallel to the type of um, excision that occurs in the body of Knesset Yisrael, just like you know, there's expunging of 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 dross material, yeah, uh, by an Isha Nido or a Zova. Uh, and somehow, even though it's nucky, but it's only nucky on what we're, you know, what 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 the bedika indicates. There's still tuma inside. There's and that somehow is connected to the the dead matter of of, of the students of Yekiva. Um, yeah, that seems to be I where mean, you're, we're heading there, right? That's 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 where you're heading. That although although to to actually you know fine tune all of this is 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 difficult because like. You know, I mean, no woman starts counting Shivan Kiyim until after she's already stopped, uh, you know, stopped right. bleeding. Right. And uh, in any event, the Tuma that we're talking about uh, doesn't seem to be Tumas Yeletis. We're talking, we're talking about Tumas Zava. Um, well, and, and so there's and, no there's, there's no Dam Tohar, Tohar. But, you know, the idea is if you think about it symbolically, you know, Nida equals loss, equals loss of life. Um, and and loss of life that comes with a certain sense of in alienation between you know the between the, the husband and the wife that needs to be overcome and the hairs and and the death and the the reconstitution that comes you know that comes after that uh, that process now it's here here we're not talking about people who die as time in order to die it's, it's a it's a process of 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 becoming integrated and then being lost and then getting reintegrated again and as many times as it takes for that process to to um, complete itself successfully and by the time you get to Matan Torah everybody's in there's nobody you know there's there's nobody lost anymore um, let me put well you know it's interesting that you say this um, and because I think one of the uh, the statement that I alluded to in our intro, my, you know, my time or which has led to in the yeshiva world, of course, uh, as this man begins, uh, there's the mashkichim throughout, you know, the whole history, I guess, of that there have been yeshivas for whatever the 150 years, whatever it is, or 200 years since Veloshan, uh, maybe even before that, have used this period to stress this is a time to work on our midos because the Talmudim of Akiva somehow, even those, you know, again, this was a question that I had when I was a very young child, uh, a young teenager. Rabbi Akiva is the one who said, right? How could it be that his students, how could it be? I mean, what sort of student were you if you were of Rabbi Akiva, if you somehow didn't even understand the type of respect that was necessary and the type of getting along with, with each other? Um, in, from your Kabbalistic perspective, how does that fit into what the Talmud is saying? Well, it, actually, it, it fits quite well with the, with the complete thesis. Look, there's um there is a stage in the development of of this you know collective neshama of Am Yisrael where everybody has to follow the truth to the to the nth possibility, right? And that's that's a certain hiskabrus of of uh, of midat adin, which is considered to be a, a lack of maturity in the in the overall picture. That's why it's you know these are these are mochin of katnut. These are minds of of, of childhood. Okay, so they don't have the ability to really encompass the you know the totality of possibilities, you know. So I have my I have my truth, and you have your truth, and either I'm going to go after my truth, and I'm going to completely disregard everything else because it's my truth, which is really a big madrig. I mean, you know, you can you can see people understanding why this is an actual actually an ideal, right? Why should why should anybody compromise on the MS? You know. Okay, so and, uh, so covered and, and, saying. And in, a, not... in addition, if we just let me uh, sure, just let me finish the point, sure. um, 
is that the the idea also is is that is that achieving the truth is a battle and in this battle you have winners and losers there's no room at the top of the at the pinnacle of truth for everybody some people are going to wash out okay and that's probably the most significant aspect of of this of this whole process of you know you have all these nishamot and they need to be integrated and they need to be reintegrated over and over and over again and and um so while you're while you're losing them and trying to reintegrate them the loss comes from the general feeling that this is a contest it's a very important contest and there must be a winner there must be a single truth that comes out victorious and and that's and that's why you have people keeping you know that's why you have nishamot that continually wash out of the contest right and you know the question is so how do you you know how do you adjust that attitude such that you still have the same emmas that you that you're searching for but it's an emmas that doesn't need to prove itself through conflict and competition and remember tamidei chachamim can be incredibly competitive and, and uh, you know they they're referred to generally in the zohar and i guess elsewhere as as balei trisin and uh, you know i mean i remember a couple of couple of times in our yeshiva between you and me you know we had to basically had to you know keep from getting <laughs> yeah, that was pull, sure. pull us apart um yes and uh in the in the in the, in the meanwhile i have i at any rate have become very very mellow and you know and, and very accepting uh, so but, i just uh, wanted to get you to explain yeah. from your perspective so means that they operated with the assumption that achieving truth is a contest and not everybody gets to be in the, you know, not everybody gets to feel good at the end. Okay. And, and that's precisely a symptom of the, of the, uh, of the constricted, constricted minds that are native to this, to this stage of development. Okay. And Lagba Omer therefore is the, is the time at which you essentially pass from this kind of constricted consciousness to a, to, to a more expansive kind of consciousness where however this works, Okay, the truth becomes capable of of of, uh, of containing everybody's individual perspective on things. Okay, so and at, you know, and at, and at, and at that point, the nida is no longer bleeding quite the way that she was or is or whatever, or she or she's counted sufficient days since the since the you know since the bleeding ended. Okay, and the and uh, and you're beginning to transition between between eating barley, which is machal behema eating you know to to eating maybe there's some chita that's beginning to get ripe so you can you know you can uh, you can variate your diet a little bit um and um and things you know things begin to look up and it's 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 prosat seras so all of all of these things are kind of hardwired into the into the timing and into the agric- agricultural cycle of of eretz Yisrael. now also by the way just another thing to throw in there is that the the reasons i mean it could very well be and we i wish we were supposed to talk about this according to the plan that the you know rebbe akiva students might actually have died in the bar Kochba revolt right yes or in you know uh, I, either, wasn't, either, I, either, I, I, I wasn't going to uh you know to shut that discussion yeah, off I, well but, it, but, it happened to the, you know it we didn't follow the plan so much but that's okay we you know why should we uh i'll call upon him <laughs> I'll call upon him. There, you know, there is that, there is that, uh, there is that possibility there, which, which is part of my girsa diankusa in a sense. It's one of the, it's one of the divrei Torah that I actually learned from my own father, which is uh, therefore makes it quite, uh, you know, quite, quite precious to me. Um, and I, I, I would, I would uh, just to echo what I spoke to you a couple of hours ago when we were sort of sketching in a vague way what we we're going to speak about. I would challenge you to find that statement which again has been as i mentioned to you was i think developed by the famous uh maskil rov of prague uh he served as avbezdin he wasn't the total rov of prague they took that away from any rabbi once the new debut had died but shlomo yehuda rapport here uh in his investigations uh as he is you know anti-kabbalist that he was to the extreme but he did find um the Igris Rav Shirvagon, that when he discusses 
Sri Ragon discusses the Seder of Mesorah. Right, they died in Shamda. Right, and, and Shamda or Shmoda, but that is something that is clearly not like the Gemara Nivomos, and it's from there that Sheer, well, the Sheer speculates and, 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 and pushes the idea mm-hmm. that Rabbi Kiva, why was Rabbi Akiva uh, the target, and why were his students the target? There were other Rabbeim, there were other Yeshivos, there were other people teaching Torah at the time. Why is it his students specifically? And Sheer then jumps to the next point, which is the Gemaras that in Gitin and other places that deal with Bar Kochba, mentioning Rabbi Akiva's role in the Bar Kochba right. revolt. Rabbi Akiva is the one who said, Dohi Malka Meshicha. He is the one who noticed Bar Kochba and pushed Bar Kochba to be the Mashiach as the savior and as the person that would bring uh, Jewish freedom away from the Romans, restoration of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, the students become... And again, here's where Sheer and maybe your grand, your father are a little bit split. Sheer feels that it was a uh, sort of like a scorched earth policy against Rabbi Akiva to punish him. Um, mm-hmm. But others, like I think your father was indicating, was they weren't just students in the base medrash. When we say Talmidim Rabbi Akiva, what we mean is, and this really gets into the, how could you have such an exaggerated number? As great as Rabbi Kiva was, the, there were other Rabbeim at the time. Did everyone have yeshivas of 24,000? And therefore, the 24,000 became uh, a, a very easy to suggest that they were not so much as students in the base Medrash, but actually soldiers who followed followers Rabbi Kiva's idea, following Rabbi Kiva's political philosophy rather than actually being his students. So I, I would I would challenge you, Nelson, and I, I, I love the fact that you you are um, embracing what you heard from your father as Gears of the Yankasa, but 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 does that really jive? And I'm sure you have a way to explain it. Well, I'll, with, with, I'll, you, go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, to begin with, you know, most people most people actually think that the Gemara says that the students of Rabbi Akiva died in a magefa, that they died in some sort of pestilence. Okay, and you know, the Gemara doesn't say that. We just we just read the Gemara. The Gemara first. The Gemara says that they died, and then and then and then and then the Gemara says that well, they died between Pesach and uh, and Shuas. And then the Gemara says that they died a miserable death. Okay, a misara, and then which which misara? Askra. Now, Askra is actually a, a very, very bad way to go. But if if you if you think about it, okay, the the, the war of Bar Kokhba, the loss that was suffered by Am Yisrael during the Bar Kokhba revolt, is not something that the Gemara generally talks about explicitly. You know, I mean, there's there's you know, they, they mentioned that they're Gazru, you know, Gazru Haramayim on, uh, you know, on, on, on this or that or the other. But the context of the Gezeras of, that, the, that, that, uh, that the Romans Im- imposed upon the Jews as a result of the Bar Kokhba revolt, the, the revolt itself is almost never mentioned. You know, it's mentioned, it's mentioned in passing someplace in, in, in Sanhedrin, you know, but the whole, the whole thing is really, really very, very downplayed. There's a certain kind of, I think, you know, self-censorship. Perhaps that's, that's going the Gemara on here. Gitten does talk about Betar and it talks about how, how the crushed skulls and how many people died there. The Gemara talks about, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't, okay, I, I'd have to, I'd have to look at the Gemara, but I don't think the Gemara is too explicit about what the, you know, what the overall context of, of, of Harugay Betar was. It certainly never mentions, well, okay, I mean, but let me, let me just, let me just get to what I'm going to say because I'm not, you know, I can, we can, we can try to work this out by looking at all the sugis everywhere and seeing if this seeing if, if this fits, but let's not do that. Right? The Ashkara, which is a disease that makes it impossible to talk. So when Rav Papa says what you know, so what what Misara was it? And he says and he says Ashkara, it could be a code for saying let's not talk about that. It's too terrible to talk about. <laughs> I, I heard oh, something. Somebody I, got a cough. Yeah, you know? yeah. I heard something. Okay. Sim, I heard something maybe along those lines from the great Ravaran Salvechik, Zechut Sadak Levrocha, Rav Bear's younger brother, who said when I talked to him about this sugya many many years ago, uh, he said Askara is code for, and he again uh, ascribed to Shear's theory that this was a Bar Kokhba uh, fallout. 
But he said, Oscar is, is freedom. In other words, you can't breathe, just as we said before. Not being able to breathe is not being able to breathe the freedom of your own country. Uh, you, you can't breathe because you're being choked. You're being, you, you, you can't really control your own destiny. And in that way, it's code for, mm-hmm. for dying. Well, Sam, Sam Juni would appreciate this, this, uh, this particular part because he's a Freudian. And, and uh, Freud very often... When he was analyzing, you know, women and their and their hysterias, you know, if you had a woman who had some sort of hysterical inability to talk, like lost the lost the ability to talk or or or, or lost the ability to make sounds or something like that, so you know, he generally uh, understood that. Okay, you know, this, this is something. This woman's keeping a secret for somebody, and that's why she has this illness, right? The the Gemara self self censors you know, more than a few times. I mean, the, the most famous example is is the Maise Shahaya by, by Rebbe Meir, right? In, in Maseches of Vaidazorim. About, Bur- about Buria. About Buria. Right. No, yeah, well, the, the Gemara never says that. It says that, you know, Rebbe Meir had to run away because he was ashamed because of Maise Shahaya. What Maise Shahaya? So Rashi says. So Rashi says. Um you know, and it's it, it's an unbelievable story. I mean, since since the Gemara doesn't say it, and obviously the Gemara doesn't really want it to be said, so I'm not going to mention. It. Okay, but everybody, everybody knows what it is anyway. Um, so you you know, so there's there there are times which which the Gemara simply isn't really willing to to you know to tell you all these things, and and so many people died with these nationalistic wars and these and these fights and everything that basically the consensus was. You know, we tried this once. We tried. We tried rebelling once against the empire. It didn't go. We tried rebelling again, again, a second time against the empire, and it was and it was even worse. So you know, we have to accept the fact that Hashkadosh Baruch apparently does not want us to be an independent nation. He wants us to be subservient to 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 the non-Jews and the non-Jewish empire, and so let's just bend over our heads and accept this upon ourselves and, and everything. So you're absolutely right. The idea that that Talmidei Rabbi Akiva might have been uh, might have been uh, war, you know fighters in Bar Kokhba's army was very attractive to the you know to the to the early Zionists, you know, because it, it give it kind of it kind of makes fighting for Eretz Yisrael into into a religious uh, commitment once again, yeah. but. You know, even, I, even, the, I, even the whole uh, movement that is known as Bnei Akiva. Uh, Bnei Akiva is right, they, yes. They, did, they, didn't, they did not choose Rabbi Akiva because of... Well, they didn't say Bnei Rabbi Yishmael or... Right, right. Not because of yeah. Yishitas in, 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 you know, Kedushas, uh, Guf, Kedushas, Adam. I mean, that wasn't, you know, the, or, or, or where what you do with uh, the Chattas, the Shemesu. That wasn't the reason why they, they chose Rabbi Akiva. They chose Rabbi Akiva because Rabbi Akiva remained in people's consciousness uh and especially for the young zionists as the this the scholar who saw that no something that others yeah. did not want to see that that we the need patron to patron of of holy you know of of uh, of um and of jewish warriors you know yes, which had which had by then had been really really something that's been suppressed for 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 2000 years and for and for good reason frankly you know i'm um i'm not you know, when it comes to people asking me on a personal level, whether let's say whether they should do this or whether they should do that, I, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in in um, in violent action to liberate anything as being a you know as being a, a, a first course of action, um, and because because history teaches you know you have to learn from history, and there's and there's wisdom in the way that Bnei Yisrael have been have been handling this thing since since the Bar Kokhba revolt. Uh, uh, you know, I should, I should also mention to you in this respect the statement of Rav Henkin, who was you know the a great posik in America, when he talks about the the Gemara Brachos that says the reason why we make the Bracha Hatova Hametiv, why the fourth Bracha of Benching was instituted, had to do with the fact when Kvurei Beitar, when Haruge Beitar were Nitno Likvura. Um, in other words, the, the, the clear indicating being that, that these bodies were just lying there. The Gemara actually does talk about graphically how much blood was oozing. And, and, and for years and years, it seems like the blood from these dead bodies were fertilizing the lands all around it because they weren't allowed to be covered. And finally, the, the, that Xer was lifted and we we instituted a bracha in benching that that we could finally bury those bodies. 
Um, so Rav Hankin says that this really is about um, burying the idea of revolt, that part of it is recognizing God's beneficence everywhere and realizing that the bodies are now buried. And as you said before, we need well, that's to That's it, we can stand down. We submit now. We submit to Gullus. And we submit to this, you know, which is really you know, this where Rev Hankin, and that's why Rev Hankin was very much against um, a lot of the um, uh, aggressive activism uh, in the 40s and 50s and 60s um, against things that, as we remember even, like the, uh, the JDL or whatever it was, uh, a lot of pushing, even, even, you know, he felt that this was, um, this activism would would recoil against us. He even talks about you know. So uh, this was Rav Hankin's interesting opinion. Yeah. Uh, one has okay. to be one one has to be um, pragmatic in these in these matters, you know. And and to some extent, by the way, the the Zionist enterprise was pragmatic. You know, it's not it's not as if we you know woke up one day and decided we're going to reconquer Eretz Yisrael from the Ottoman Empire. When all the Jews get together all over the world and they you know, smuggle a whole bunch of weapons and they all, y'all run in there and start shooting. And okay. Like how much chance would that have had at, at succeeding? The point is, is that when, you know, when we did do it, we did it with the, with the uh, permission of the empire, not with, you know, um, and even, and even later on things got, you know, things between us and the British empire got, you know, got sour to a great extent, but, but nevertheless, it's, it's, there's a big difference between coming, coming in under the auspices of, the ruling empire and and trying to do it when you're up against the empire and you're and you're badly badly outnumbered um i'm just going to say one other one other thing about the uh about the place names what is it anti um from, from gave us to antiparas from gave from gave to antiparas right so gave it to antiparas is gives you breadth of the southernmost and northernmost areas of Judea during the Roman period, when the, when there was no Malchus anymore in, in uh, of Hashmonoim or even, or even of Herod's family, and it was just straight you know direct uh, direct rulership by the by the Roman procurators. So Yehuda is of course in the south in the area of uh, Yerushalayim and and uh, and Hebron, and and between Geva and Antiparas is the is the is the extent of Yehuda, and as you, anybody who knows the history of the Bar Kokhba revolt understands that the reason why the revolt was able to succeed in the first place was because the you know the the, the fighters um, were using a lot of what we would call today guerrilla tactics. They were holed up in in caves and in uh, remote areas, and they would they would attack and harass and harry. The more um, organized, uh, you know, Roman legionnaire units, and and be able basically to to take them out through through you know small you know small decisive actions from which they could run away, and so in order to in order to do this, you needed really your fighters to be blended in with the local population to be located really all over the country. Okay, so he has so he has twenty four students, twenty four thousand students from from Geva to Antiparis, from basically from as you, as you would say elsewhere from Dan Liber, from from Midan Liber Sheva, Dan being all the way in the north and Beersheva being all the way all the way in the south. That's uh, a, a very novel. Okay. I like that. That's a very right. so novel. That's a, yeah, so that's yeah. So that's that taka that taka fits because why wouldn't tell you know why wouldn't Talmide Rabbi Akiva be more you know, be more localized in a particular location. I mean, you know, if you want to hear a shear from Rabbi Akiva, you know, you, you hang out in B'nai Rock, which was like Rabbi Akiva's real base of operations, you know, and, and if not, I can't fit 24,000 students in B'nai Barak Mela. So you have B'nai Barak and you have Modi'in and maybe you have, maybe you have Meish Arim and Rabbi Akiva can do it, you know, transit between those three places. But the point of having them spread out all over, all over Judea from the southernmost to the northernmost point Okay, was was because this was the this was the method of fighting, and they used a lot of caves. And there's stories all over the place in the Gemara about about uh, people hiding out in caves who are getting burnt or smoked out by the Romans. You know, there's this this whole issue of wearing a sandal musumar. 
right? Which has something to do with a bunch of people who are who are who are stuck yes. in a cave and they're hiding out, and they see the footprint of a of a of a uh, of a sandal with nails in the in the sole. Anyway, the kids are so that's just you know that's a, that's an interesting hour. No, no, I think no, I worth think, saying. Yes, I I, know, I appreciate it. Um, I, I think it definitely sort of. Corroborate something. It cor- no, it yeah. corroborates in some way the uh, that that theory. Um, I know that I think we're going to leave for next time, Rush B. Uh, but yes. I would, I just would want to say that the um, that you know the a tradition that that I have, I haven't received it, but I discovered it. But it was really something that I was thinking on my own and was corroborated uh, by the writings of the Sochachover in. Um, I, I discovered in the Sefer Noz Desha, which is Kisveyad from various students of the Abne Nezer, and uh, I found it later in the actually in the more standard uh, place in the Shemi Shmuel, where you know the the Abne Nezer, and I actually believe this probably went back to his father-in-law, the Kotzke Rebbe, was that the students of Rabbi Akiva Leinogu meant they didn't. Um, actually recognize the differences, almost the opposite of what you were saying. In other words, in the base Medrash, it was all, you know, shalala, uh, we all love each other. They actually took vahaptarecha kamocha to an extreme. They took vahaptarecha kamocha to the extreme where they stopped noticing the differences. It's almost like, oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, uh, you know, the question I said before, Zeklal Godel Torah came to the point of almost overwhelming Torah. You mentioned our arguments that we had as we're trying to piece together a sugya before we got the vahuv besufa, before we got to the the love that happens after you learn. The problem was that they didn't really go through the mulchama of Torah. In fact, what the Sochachavah suggests, not only were they not warriors in Bar Kokhba's uh, army, they weren't warriors in the base medrash either. What they were instead were vanilla like macablim, and therefore... And here's the incredible idea, and uh, you know we, we you know you know I'll let you uh, fulminate a little bit about this, uh, ruminate, and then maybe fulminate back to me, which is, um, <laughs> w- which is, <laughs> and I'll regurg because I've been regurgitating this for many years. But here's the point. Uh, let me just reiterate, and that is that um, if they had lived. Since Rabbi Kiva was such a important, incredible figure of teaching, they would have impacted, imprinted, and changed forever what Torah was. Torah would have been, you know, kumbaya. Torah would not have been, it wouldn't have had that edge that was necessary to get to Psaka Locha. The fighting and the, and, 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 the and, and like you say, till we get the, 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 uh, the great umbrella that, that 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 does have these disparate voices, each one contributing in a way that halacha becomes dynamic. When halacha is uh, sleepy or nice and kind, and I'd like to teach the world to sing, right? And perfect harmony, what you get instead is blandness. You right? You get the blandness mm. of 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 you know of of bad disco music. Basically what you get is it's just not Torah. And and even though they were Lashem Shamayim, they needed to die. Because if they if they lived, they would have outnumbered all the maverick out of the box thinkers because they're Rabbi Kiva students. And we would not have had a dynamism that was necessary for Torah to work. So kavod actually in this interpretation means like wait. What are you about? How are you different than me? You have this skill. I have this skill. Uh-huh, I noticed that. I, I need, but I can argue with you because you don't have this skill. Oh, I recognize that. Greatness actually happens where, you know, e- each part, they aren't clones of each other. One has memory. One has insight. You know, one has uh, lightning-like uh, connections. And the other has laser-like precision uh, to detail. All of those are skills and, I, and, and things that people are born with and develop naturally. That's what kavod is. If I don't mm-hmm. have kavod to you, I'm basically just looking at you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're great, and I'm great, and you know, and, and, and I'm sorry. It's two sides of the same coin. The type of you know rascally argumentative 
behavior is really is really part of recognizing hopefully how you're different than me and how eventually together we form a, a unit with our differences and that is, is 24,000 is way too big <laughs> five seven whatever number you have the Yashalmi has a different number than those five uh the Midrashim have nine whatever number it is it's nine incredible individuals with fiery temperaments who are and through them Torah is developed anyway this is a, a theory again it's built on the Avni Nezer I, I mentioned to you briefly this morning <laughs> as we were talking in our stupor, but I, but I, I think it's something which I, I don't know if it has Kabbalistic wow. ramifications, but it was, I believe, developed. Wow, it comes from the Sachachever, so. That's right. You know. I would believe it okay, does. So you, I think it does have. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, listen, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting, an interesting take, you know, and for, from, from my point of view, I would, I would say two things. First of all, it could be that Shalom Nahagu Kavod Zebazeh is also part of the, you know, battlefield uh, temperament of the students of Rabbi Akiva, which means to say, you know, I was in, I, I was a chaplain in the army. And one thing I can tell you is that when you're hiking for 35, you know, 35 miles through the dust and the dreck, and you have to run up a hill and kill a bunch of people with swords. All right. You know, you're not being polite. Okay. And the way that people talk to each other is, you know, can be very vulgar and crass. And it's even done in a good natured way, but it's not, it's not coveted, you know, it's like, you know, get your butt up there and shoot that, you know, okay. And I'm, I'm somewhat censoring the thing, this ordinary things that you would say in about under battlefield conditions. And, um, and as Talmide Chachamim, they should have been even under those circumstances, you know, um, and, and not, you know, not get, not just let themselves um, insult each other, even even in a good-natured way, or even to get you know, or even to encourage the other one to actually make it to the top of the hill and 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 slice the other guy's head, slice you know, slice the enemy's head off. Um, aside okay. from, aside from that, the, the Tamiha the Tamiha about about Rabbi Akiva and and uh, you know also kind of imagines that you can easily distinguish between or that you or that there's a absolute continuity to Rabbi Akiva's life. I mean, we have Rabbi Akiva Nagla number one and Rabbi Akiva Nagla number two, which is precisely the point of the Gemara. Yeah. You know, and, Nagla number, and Nagla number one didn't make it. So, yeah, I mean, you okay. think that, you right. think that, you think that, that Rabbi Akiva himself didn't, didn't change things because of, you know, because of this? Let's, let's take the Gemara at face value. He had 24,000 students. They all died a horrible death of a disease that came from God. I mean, was he's not, you know, he's not going to do a chesh benefesh and say, wait a second, you know, maybe, maybe the most important thing is to, is, 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 uh, be a right. And uh, I think Rav Aaron Cutler Zatzal did say that, that Rabbi Kiva changed, that this Kalal Goldo Batora was only something that he articulated after their deaths. You're right. And that is, that's the obvious answer. But um, it would turn out that, that those, Students were students of a different Rabbi Akiva. Of and, and again, I think this is you know. Oh really, yeah, and, and by and by the way, Makubalim. I mean, in the Kavonis, it actually says so. I mean, it really, really says so. Uh-huh. But there's actually two Rabbi Akivas. There's a Rabbi Akiva of Katnus and there's a Rabbi Akiva more of Godless, which I guess maybe we'll touch upon uh, next right. time we speak. Right. So I think next right. time I think we've laid the uh, and, and of course this has been a, a very wonderful way. I think. To approach Yomatzmut, which of course is this week, and I think ah, yes, we could, yes, I think we could probably use this discussion we had today as a launch pad for one of those Talmidim from Shumra Yochai, and you've spoken about it before by Lag Omer. We could talk about that the next time we decide to uh, uh, discuss with some of our best friends who are Kabbalists. Uh, what's really going on in this world, and hopefully make our way through it and navigate in a more in a positive way, in a way that's uplifting and um, gives us only the simcha of of not only a conversation but also the simcha of acquired knowledge. That's it, my friends, for this week. Thank you again, Rabbi Nelson. We'll see you guys on the other side. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.